Yo, what's up, guys? My name is Joey. I am the lead singer of Varsity, and you're listening to The Itch. You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we are scratching the itch to get filthy. Today's episode is an interview with Des Rocks, who is a New York-based artist who is very familiar with rats, as you will find out later in this episode. (laughs) And you've heard us talk about Des before. He showed up in episode 78, which was last year's Fall Rock Roundup, and in the Itch Awards episodes 84 and 85 for two reasons. For one is that his debut album, A Real Good Person in a Real Bad Place, made our top 20 albums of the year. And the other is that he won the listener vote for debut album of the year. And so we owe a huge shout out and want to shout out and say hello to the Filthy Animals, his fan base, who made that happen for him. And I'm sure that there is a number of them listening right now. And we're happy to have y'all. Welcome to the show. Yes. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we appreciate anybody that listens for any reason, to be honest. So, (laughs) yeah. And we were first introduced to Des from a podcast that we really appreciate called She Will Rock You. Uh, Leah, one of the co-hosts of that show, is a big fan of his. And so shout out to them as well. They do some really good work and some really good episodes. Des has is, is been around. Uh, he's he's done shows with Rolling Stones, uh, Panic at the Disco, Weezer, Fall Out Boy, a few with Grandson, one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some shows with Muse. You'll hear him talk about Queen a lot, and I think... There's a lot of common ground between Des and Muse in their taking influence from the band Queen. So it's pretty cool. Those would be great shows to see him with uh, Muse and Grandson at the same time or either way. That would be really wild. Yeah. Can you imagine him and Grandson like on stage just twirling around together going going absolutely nuts? <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Pounding Red Bulls. <laughs> Those two have the most energy of like just about anybody I've seen on stage. Pair him up with Muse. You got the most like anti-establishment kind of thing going on right there. It'd be pretty sweet. You got to throw in Jason Allen Butler too. I, w- I was just getting ready to say throw in Fever 333. You, you got yourself. Well, now the issue's booked a tour. There we go. <laughs> got a heart attack on stage waiting to happen. <laughs> high energy, high politics. <laughs> and, a, and a super fun interview. Casey and I were talking about this earlier. It's just. This is a dude who is just fascinating to hear talk, really. He knows very much who he is as an artist, and his vision for himself and just for that art is not the standard story that you hear. And we appreciated hearing that. So we appreciated his time to explain some of that and give us some insight onto, onto how the creative mind works. Yeah, and we've, we've been hoping to talk with him for quite some time, but we just never quite got it to... Uh work out, but we're definitely happy that we were able to do it now. Uh, the timing really couldn't be any better because he's, you know, the tail end of his current tour and he just released Manic Memories. Brand new song, first one after his album. And he's supposed to be here in our city playing music live <laughs> in a couple of days. Yeah. And we love when people do that. Yes. Yeah. Especially after we interview them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's it's really crazy how often that has happened for our podcast and not not intentional in any stretch of the imagination. 
I intend to make it more intentional because we, we always we've always agreed that we like it when that happens. So I'm just going to look for bands that are coming through town and be like, hey, we need to talk to that guy that week. Yeah. What's up? So yeah, yeah well, I like do. <laughs> yep. So without any further ado, here's our conversation with Des Rocks. So our guest here for this interview is Des Rocks out of New York City. So Des, you may or may not have any awareness of this. I know you're pretty active on social media, but that also is just like a mile a minute. So it's hard to keep up with stuff. <laughs> so we've been doing our podcast for a couple of years. And not only did your, your debut album you released last year, A Real Good Person in a Real Bad Place, it made our top 20 albums of the year. But we actually do a thing called the Itch Awards at the end of the year where we have a handful of different categories. And that album also won... A listener vote that wasn't just us an actual listener vote for a debut album of the year oh thank you I'm, I'm honored thank you so much it was a lot of fun they came out in droves the fans <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're very motivated when they uh put their mind into something they can accomplish it pretty easily yeah <laughs> we discovered yeah. that that's definitely one of the things we want to dive into here a little bit yeah. <laughs> and also we want to know when we reached out to your people about this interview you already have a reputation, which we'll get into later, for being just a very fan-friendly, easy-to-talk-to person. But what we didn't anticipate was exactly how ready to rock at all times kind of you were. Like, we, we reached out to your people, and we're like, hey, we're talking about, could we maybe set this up sometime in the next couple of weeks? And they they got back to us, and they're like, can you do it today? <laughs> and we're like, we're like, no, we can't. We need a little bit of time, but we love that energy right there. Like, we would love to do it today if we could. <laughs> I think like a very New York perspective where, like, I got a note from my publicist and he was like, yeah, how about you do this interview? And I go, how about right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, like, that's just like my approach to all of life. I'm very much, uh, I don't know, I act with uh, extreme immediacy at all times. You love it. Yeah, yeah, we certainly yeah. appreciate it. If, if everybody were like that, then our show would literally be 100% interviews, I think. <laughs> but most of the time, it does take a little bit of time and some some work to get those things going. So we, yeah, we appreciate that attitude for sure. It made an impression on us. <laughs> it's definitely uh, symbolic of a lot of different things. Right? It's like a, that, that incident is like a microcosm for pretty much everything that's rocks, to be honest. Nice. It seems yeah. almost like a microcosm for New York as well. I mean, we, this is kind of a running thing for us. We've interviewed like a handful of people from New York. We haven't really spent much or any time there ourselves, but mm-hmm. it, that does have a reputation as being like the hustle and bustle kind of thing. Like people are very active. You're doing something at all times. You're moving stuff along, keeping it going. So it, I feel like you kind of embody like the personality of that city in that way, maybe even. Yeah, like that, plus like on steroids, you know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> lifelong New Yorker plus like severe OCD plus like you know completely possessed and haunted by these artistic visions that I'm just always chasing in my head and it creates a pretty intense recipe for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you you said a few years back at the start of a few years back that your plan was to release a couple of EPs and then kind of lead into the full length album. Last year, you finally released that album and the response has been awesome. And like we said, we've even put it on our, our top 20 countdown. Now, you know, here we are and you said that you know, you've got a string of singles planned. So starting with the new song, Manic Memories, that just dropped. Is there any kind of is that leading up to anything? Or is it just going to be a, a continuous string of singles? Um, Right now, it's really the sort of... um like almost like a palate cleansing period for me artistically where like I had the album and it was so intense and it took so much out of me that now I'm just kind of like releasing and writing and recording a lot of these very cathartic songs and things I wanted to say artistically and, and communicate um, musically. And it's almost like a, like a sorbet palate cleanse before the next meal, the way I, the way I think of it. Um, and that's how I would articulate this, this next couple months of music, where it's just me sort of exploring different parts of myself sonically. And at the same time, on, on, as a parallel path, I've just been working on all the next body of, of what's to come that will live as a real cohesive work. Okay. Yeah. So are all these newer songs or is this stuff that like maybe kind of got left off the last album because you didn't feel like it fit or is this all just like new ideas? Like you said, fresh. It's like all of the above, to be honest. Like I don't even know what a new idea is for me. Okay. You know, I, I have ideas that I've been working on for so many years. Okay. Um, you know, I, so there are things that I'll just have a chorus for, for five years and then I'll finally like, oh, I, I found a verse for it, you know? Um, so there really is no new idea. It's like, there is no time in, in the space time continuum of Des Rocks. Like every idea exists all at once in, in my opinion, you know? Okay. Nice. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a song why, why, why on, on the album, real good person in my place. And I wrote the main riff for that, um, like in high school, you know? And like, I just always had it. And I never really found the right, the right place for it. Um, until recently. I've heard similar things like that. I know. I mean, I think a lot of artists are that way. I know Rivers from Weezer was famous for having giant spreadsheets where he would document every little snippet of an idea for all kinds of different things. You know, maybe it's a vocal melody, maybe it's a guitar or whatever. And then he would, when it's time to write something, he would just, you know, or, or put something together. He would just kind of not just pick and choose. It's not random, but he would find the things that matched up. And those have become songs from all these little bite-sized ideas that had existed forever. And so I think that's a very interesting concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, there's, I wish there was a rhyme or reason to the process, but there really isn't. Like my, everyone asks, what is your process? And then my process is very much just me constantly trying to figure out what my process is. You know, I wish it was like, well, I write from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would love that. That would like be my dream. Instead, it's usually like I'm yanked out of bed in the middle of the night with some idea that I then have to stay up all night finishing and then sunrise comes and I just think it's crap and I never visited again for three years. You know what I mean? So it's pretty manic, which I think is also reflected in the music itself. So when you had like these ideas, like you said, like with why, why, why that you came up with in high school, do you just file that away like in your head or do you have like some kind of place where you store this information or how are you keeping track of all this stuff? Again, it's, a, it's all the above, you know, that was, I, I demoed out an orchestral idea on logic and that's what it was this orchestral piece. And it was just like a two minute movement. And now I actually took that orchestral movement and I use it as the live intro um, for the song. 
And so everything kind of like feeds back into each other at some point. Um, but it'll be really all of the above. You know, it'll be voice notes. It'll be logic sessions. I mean, just this tour, I'm just kind of overwhelmed looking at my voice notes now by how many I have, just me humming ideas while like peeing in the middle of the night. You know, <laughs> like every single idea has peeing noise in the background. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. We talked to another New York band called the Oxymorons and they were talking about how like most of their best ideas come when in their shower and they have to hop out mid shower and like go, go jot it yeah. down and record it real quick and then hop back in. <laughs> yeah. Right. The shower, but like, you know, there's like evidence of why the shower is effective because it's like sensory deprivation. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it allows the mind to wander. And I think that's, that's so interesting. Like I, and you know, in a way like drugs kind of do a lot of that too, where they like depress your, senses and then you're able to like just explore creatively um that's so always such, like an interesting thing to think about uh like the shower and why it's so important you know yeah yeah another thing that came up as you're as you're talking about that because you mentioned being really like ocd about stuff and i mean the 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 chaos of of creating art is, is sort of like a standard trope of you know artists you know that's just not how art works you know there is for some people a regular schedule and a rhythm to the work, but by and large, a lot of that creativity and the best stuff just comes when it comes. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you still have to put it together and make it work into something. I was listening to an interview with this band called The Warning the other day, and they were talking about how they had completed their album before the pandemic, basically, but they didn't release it until just recently. But they had to basically pick a time to stop. Like, we're done working on this. This album is complete. Because if they didn't actually set that deadline, and say we are done now they would keep tinkering with it and deconstructing everything they had made forever and ever do you do you feel that that kind of can you relate to that as an artist as well definitely um and also like you just you get better as you go on so if you write something two years ago you're like oh i'm i think i'm a better songwriter now you know i think i know a better way to articulate this thought well mm-hmm. i'm a better producer now i know a better way to bring this to life like i have a song um that i made a couple of years ago that was only released on vinyl as a bonus track and i really want to put it out digitally but i want to redo a lot of the production a lot of the vocals because i'm so much better now you know what i mean uh and i was like the vocal takes weren't that strong and uh those production choices didn't age as well as i thought so it's good to have things that kind of can be soft release like that and yeah that's it's always a work in progress without a doubt i also find that for me a lot of the tinkering with songs comes live so Mm -hmm. like I view it as one long art form where I have the record and then that part of it is done. But live, I can do anything. I can continue to tinker with that song. The way I MD it, the way I arrange it, um, you know, I'll add certain sections and kind of play with voicings and things like that. So live, it's really always a living, breathing thing. You know, I Hmm. never record just like a three guys in a room just playing the song. I never do that. So it's always like reinterpreted in a live setting. And for me, that's where I get to be most excited with what I could do with a song and continue to evolve it. You, you mentioned a couple times in there about production. Um, I know that that independence is a very big part of your identity as an, as an artist and the music behind it as well. Do you do the majority of, of your work self-produced? Is that mostly you yeah. behind the scenes there too? It's a hundred percent me and my buddy from high school. That's it. Just okay. like twisting knobs in a little room in Brooklyn. And, uh, <laughs> there's, no, there's no big fancy producer behind the scenes. It's, it's just us. I've tried it. I've worked with a lot of those people and I just don't, I don't know. Maybe it's me, I guess. I don't play as nice as others, but um, 
Yeah, maybe it's like a bit of a control freak thing too. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's just me and and my buddy from high school, Jerry. That's it. Yeah. Are there any like notable names in music production that you would that if they came to you and were like, "Hey, we'd like to produce your next album," that you would you'd probably think about breaking that uh, that streak for them? Uh, I just like never learn my lesson, to be honest. Like, <laughs> up with the biggest of the biggest, and I've gone in the biggest of the biggest. And I, I spent a month with a really big producer and uh, made all this entire body of work. And then I got home, I was like, nah, I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> I just threw it all out. And it was the most expensive mistake of my life. You know? <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> and, and he was a great guy and he's he's amazing at what he does like when a band goes in there and just like cuts a record that's not how i work i don't just go in and cut a song i wrote you know what i mean like yeah yes song i can just hear a garbage truck make a cool noise and sample it on my phone and throw into logic and that inspires a whole concept for a song and with the minutes i have something i can't walk into a studio and uh, be like you know today we're gonna do guitars yeah you know and, and yeah. uh Here's all these amazing guitars. Let's audition each one, and uh, let's find the right guitar. Down. I'm like, I'm gonna like explode. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just don't have patience for that at the time. Like half my record was made with a, a USB guitar that plugs directly into the laptop. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. People are talking my ear off about a '59 Les Paul. Like, I, I don't give a fuck about anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I think if it's cool, it's cool, and it could be a children's toy, or it could be the most expensive guitar in the world. You know, I couldn't care less. Awesome. Well, I mean, you're you're so creative, and you you pull from so many different influences that you have, and it's it's just unique to be able to just do whatever you feel like at any given time, whether that be creatively or or anything else. So, it's awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it seems to be working. So, I mean, I I, yeah. I don't see a ton of incentive to change that. So, well, maybe if yeah. <laughs> maybe if it, it wasn't working, but it's a longer and harder path, I yeah. think, because if you are willing to get in the room with some producer, really hone in the sound to be like, all right, I'm going to be like, uh, you know, Imagine Dragons, right? I'm going to be Imagine Dragons 2.0 or Imagine Dragons Light. Yeah. And people like really get it. You know what I mean? You go to radio, you go, what's this band? They go, they're like Imagine Dragons. They go, okay, great. I got it. You know what I mean? I'll spin yeah. it. People like that stuff. For me though, it's it's like not so obvious, and the path um, to a greater audiences is a lot more difficult. And you really rely on people who are like tr true believers who have nothing to lose and are willing to like just take a fucking risk on you. And that that pool of people is is increasingly smaller in this day and age. You know, you don't really have like the the rogue disc jockey in Miss Wisconsin who's just gonna be like I. I believe in this a thousand percent i'm going to spin it the world needs to hear it <laughs> like that is such a dying breed um but i do think those imagine dragon 2.0s um while they can get started more easily because of how accessible that elevator pitch is there's a ceiling you know and, and you're only going to speak to so many people and you can only be so creative but like for me you know my idols are queen and uh queen was not another artist 2.0 you know and the ceiling is infinite because it's pure creativity and pure emotion and right. once you can finally poke through all the imagine dragon 2.0s 
and get heard and get a spotlight, I think it's just a much bigger recipe for success. That's my spiel. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's really funny because one of the questions I was going to ask was, you know, one of your favorite quote or famous quotes is that, you know, you're here to drag rock and roll in the 21st century, kicking and screaming if you have to. And I think you just <laughs> kind of identified it right there of why or how you're about to do that. But is there anything else that you'd like to add, like, you know, uh, trying to, maybe bring it into like the digital age too, or, you know, just kind of further explain what you mean by saying that. I think uh, for me, well, it's an interesting thing to think about that. Like what a lot of people seek in rock and roll is like almost like a sense of conservatism. Like, uh, you know, it should be defined by a certain set of production choices. It should be uh, like, like Led Zeppelin sounding or one of these bands iconic bands in the 70s but what we forget is that those bands were outrageous for their times right they were defying every standard production choice they were taking huge creative risks and it's weird that their risk taking is now a snapshot and that that has now become the standard instead of keeping with the spirit of risk taking you know what i mean of course always drawing on those artists because they're iconic um and building upon it instead of recreating it, you know, like the same way Zeppelin heavily drew on so much iconic blues music, you know, but expanded upon it and dragged that into the 21st century with fierce creativity and experimentation. And I kind of view myself as a pioneer in that same mold and in that same legacy, you know, not trying to recreate those people, you know? Yeah. 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 Makes sense. That's perfect. Honestly, that's kind of one of our, our like mottos for our show. Like we, I am not a huge fan of like subgenre and rock music. Cause I think then you're just dividing it essentially. Mm. But you know, one of the things that we like to champion is all of the other type of genres of rock, like your rap rock, your reggae rock and, and things like that. And um, so it, it's just awesome to hear that from, from an artist like yourself. It also kind of brings me to the, the age old debate. Like, so do you truly believe that rock and roll is dead? Or do you think it's just, you know, like you said, it's just adapting, modifying? I just think it's like so much more undefinable. It used to be very much defined by production choices and style. And now I just think it's energy. I just think it's energy. That's it. It's just an energy that is anti-establishment. It is an energy that is fiercely independent and and fiercely creative. And that to me is rock and roll. And that could be a rap artist or a rock artist. doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I think the biggest rock stars are rappers, without a doubt, today. Um, and I think that what makes something edgy and what people forget is that the word edgy comes from being on the edge of life and death. That's what edgy is. Edgy is not ripped jeans. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, right. To be on the edge is to be on the edge of life and death. And that sense of drama, that sense of having it all on the line, you know, that's very absent in, my, in the modern rock landscape. And that's something that's so important to me. Like, I want you to think that I could die at any moment on stage at a show. I want you to be like on the edge of your seat. You know what I mean? Same with the record. Like, I want you to know that I would live and die for every production choice, every lyric, every everything, and, and how intensely engrossed I am in all the art. Uh, and that's just really absent because, again, a lot of, we want a lot of 2.0s. We want easy pitches like an algorithm wants to know exactly what you are immediately so it can be sorted so right right really anti-creative you know yeah for what it's worth we haven't been able to see you live yet we're hoping that casey will be able to change that for us uh later this week actually thursday but (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> I think the album does capture what you're talking about. Then there is an intensity. You the, the new track here, not on the album, but the new track has the word manic in it. And I think that that's a great word to describe what's going on in there. There is this, this sense of concern <laughs> kind of going on in there. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, like live to me is everything. Like yeah. nobody, nobody really brings it live the way I'm bringing it live. I'm telling you straight up, you know, I mean, no one's <laughs> into the show as, as I am. Um, and that's another thing, just like missing in rock music. Like people just go up there and they play their songs. And that's really cool. That's awesome for like the strokes. You know, that's what I want from the strokes. But from other rock artists, like who's going to carry that mantle of like Queen and Bruce Springsteen? You know what I mean? They're all gone or dying. So it's like that is a certain energy that needs to be passed via a torch somehow. You know what I mean? And it's without a doubt my mission to pick that up and run with it. Yeah. Well, I hope to, I hope to see that on Thursday then. Oh yeah. I just played 32 shows. You guys going to get any of these? Come on. <laughs> I don't even know like where I am right now. I just played so many shows. That was one of our questions actually. Yeah. You are, this is the last week of about what a six week or so tour you've been on. Yeah. Something like that. You're somewhere out West Utah, maybe. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in Denver right now. Denver. Um, okay. Yeah. It's uh, 36 shows. 32 is last night. Yeah. So wow. Well, yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Well, so given that you what you just said, you know how much you, you you thrive off of that live show and the energy of it and whatnot. Like, how are you feeling as this comes to an end? Are you do even you need at least a little breather after this, or are you you know already like okay, what are we doing? When are we going back out? I mean, I'm always thinking ahead. You know, always thinking ahead, <laughs> and it will be good. It'll be really good to be home for 24 hours. And then after 24 hours, I'll be miserably depressed. I was gonna say 24 hours. All right, <laughs> that's his quick breather. I'll be, I'll be fucking. I'll be just sulking. I'll be laying on the floor, and I'll just be like, "What? What do I do with my stuff?" I mean, honestly, think about it. Like, think about the idea of just psyching yourself up into almost like a Jekyll and Hyde state, transforming yourself for 90 minutes. Watch this boost of adrenaline and serotonin and performing an aerobics class for 90 minutes. You know what I mean? Right. And just, yeah. not just go to sleep instead. You know, it's, it's <laughs> a, otherwise be doing at that time is shocking, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's a huge adjustment. It's like coming home from like a, a you know, it's like, it's, it's a huge adjustment. Um, right. Like I crave it, you know, you, you crave that rush. So that said, after you, after you take the 24 hour rest period, are you going to be looking to jump right into another tour? Is that, is that kind of in the works? Or are you going to take some time off to write some more? Uh, yeah, I'm going to finish my whole next body of work and there will be some live dates sprinkled in there. Um, some really potentially exciting things that I can't say yet. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll, I mean, I will miss it desperately. Like I've, I've been playing shows since I was 13 years old. It's what I was born to do, you know? So it's, it's what I love to do. I feel like that's an important part. Uh, like you mentioned, sprinkling some shows in like for somebody like you just to, to get that energy out and to, to deal with that. Cause I know like for a lot of artists, that is like the cycle. Okay. We spend three months, six months, a year, whatever, working on this album. Then we do the same thing. Where's a tour cycle for most of a year or whatever. And then it's just like rinse and repeat every couple of years for that. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe in like the cycle. You yeah. Know what I mean, cause the yeah. cycle implies that at some point you're off and I'm never off. Like I'm, mm-hmm. always, I'm always working on music and I always want to play shows. You know what I mean? Like there is no cycle for me. Like I release an album, like, so what? 
know what I mean? I really think that one tomorrow. Like, who cares? What What is the cycle? I don't even know. <laughs> you think the Beatles in the 60s were like, well, this is our new cycle. You know, they had like an iconic album every seven months. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, they're on cycle. I, you know, I don't think about it like that. That's like a very like a label way to think about it that has nothing to do with like art or music whatsoever, you know? Well, and I think right now, especially as, and especially as an independent artist and just with the ease of creating music and whatnot, it's to be a musician is more hustle than cycle at this point. Kind of like you mm-hmm. said, you're never off. There's, there's something we always need to be working on to, to keep things moving along, both from a creative aspect and I guess a business aspect, if you want to put it that way. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, also like, I just want to constantly evolve, you know? And maybe part of that will be going away for three months and, and making a whole new body of music. Um, but I'm never like thinking like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just be off now. You know, yeah. I always have this like uh, insatiable drive to just create and to build things. You know. I know. Well, speaking of that creative process, like I kind of had a question for you regarding um, MMC Mickey Mouse Club. How much fun did you have shooting that that video? <laughs> oh my god, it was a lot of fun. I mean. No, it was it was nasty though because <laughs> it, it was in this warehouse, right? And the floor is just covered in like hundred year old industrial suit, oh. like it just like probably fucking asbestos, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and we here we are just sweating all over and spitting and just and then we we're all on the ground just tackling each other, just take after take after take, just washing <laughs> it, and it's all over my fucking mouth my eyes, my lips. And I think it took 10 years off my life, to be honest. (laughs) That's an awesome video. I love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Going off of of MMC, you know, the, the theme of that and one of your recurring themes, even in this conversation, we can tell it is, is this idea of authenticity within the music industry uh, in general and, and probably just life really. At the same time, I think about how you and a lot of other artists have a very active, very interactive, like social media presence. Social media is interesting because it's such a highly curated thing. And it is very easy to project an identity that may or may not be, you know, that authentic and real. So I guess, so my question for you is like, how do you manage to retain like an internal feeling of authenticity when that those like social media particular interactions are such a big part of what it means to be an artist today. You know, I, I, um, the way I think about it is like, I have so much fun doubling down on certain parts of my personality Mm. and amplifying them and exaggerating them. And that to me is like my authentic self. Um, I'm never going to try and be something I'm not. I'm always about doubling down on something that I am. You know what I mean? And, and amplifying that and exaggerating that. And this is something that I preach constantly and that like is very integral to being a filthy animal. It's like just doing you, you know, there's nobody who can do you better than you. You know, if I tried to be Imagine Dragons 2.0, you know, who's way better at being Imagine Dragons? Imagine Dragons. Right. <laughs> you got that shit on lock. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like your odds of success in the music industry are the same if you do you or if you try to emulate something else that happens to be working, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. So you might as well just do you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like short. And like, as far as someone who values art and creativity, like 
your uniqueness and your perspective is the one thing you have to offer that somebody else can't offer. There's only one of you, you know? So that's my whole approach to social media in general is just to be myself, to amplify myself and to most importantly, just have a lot of fun with it and not take it too seriously. There you go. Yeah. So you brought up the filthy animals and we just had to kind of touch base on that. Your, your fan base is incredibly dedicated and beyond the, the sort of casual fandom, to the point of getting your logo tattooed on on their body or putting your name in their social media profile as part of their identity. So how is that that fandom? How do you handle that type of fandom? Uh, I mean, I love it and I'm enormously appreciative for it. I just can't believe anybody likes my music, to be honest. You know? <laughs> so like, for someone to get a tattoo of something that is so symbolic to me as an artist, is just still mind boggling. And no matter how many I see, it always um, is, is shocking and inspiring mm-hmm. um, and really validating that I can be helping people through my art. That's such a amazing silver lining in what I do. Um, and I'm constantly inspired by the sense of community that forms around art. And I find it fascinating. Um, and I think art and the intersection of art and culture and community, like that's what it's all about. You know, that's for me, I'm serving the highest purpose I can serve as an artist. Yeah, awesome. Shout out to uh, some fans that became fans of us through sharing your music. Awesome. Shout out to Heidi and shout out to uh, another friend podcast of ours, She Will Rock You, uh, Leah and Beth Ann. Uh, you need to get hooked up with them and do an interview with them. They would, they would love it. Totally. It would make their year. <laughs> we'd love to hear a couple stories about the filthy animals you haven't experienced that you could share that really stick in your memory um stories well i mean on this tour it's just been amazing because there's kind of like a, a lore that's been built up around some of the things we do and who i am and one of those pieces of the puzzle is just like all things rats and people will make these amazing rats that are like interpretations of us on stage and gift them to us at meet and greets at the shows and it's just like the coolest thing ever like it is it is so cool you know i always identify with the with the rat it's resilient it's community-based you know what i mean it's tenacious and to have that be somehow intertwined with my music is fucking awesome (laughs) that's fantastic yeah all right you want to hit up some some rapid fire questions to close us out yeah we usually close with a couple of of rapid fires here um one thing we added on for this one it's not usually part of this this sequence but particularly for you because you're going to be playing at del mar hall in st louis in a few days and del mar hall is for those listening it's on a street called del mar that has multiple concert venues uh including a pretty legendary one called blueberry hill that has a room called the duck room i'm not sure if you're familiar with that i've heard about it it's the home of chuck berry for for decades he would he would do like monthly shows there and so uh, we're like, well, Des really at least needs to know about this place. If he has time, hopefully go check it out while you're there. Because, you know, from one showman to another, that's surely something that you would appreciate. But question that comes out of that, us being pretty naive to New York, if we were to hit New York, what's a, a must-visit concert venue for us? <sighs> it's tough because, you know, I think the King's Theater in Brooklyn is one of the most undervalued and underappreciated venues in New York City. It is gorgeous and historic. And New York, strangely, does not have 
many venues like that. And the rest of the country really gives New York a run for its money in concert venues. So I would check that one. Hmm, that is surprising. All right. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I'm going to try to get three questions in here. We got about five minutes, so we'll see what we can do. <laughs> All right. So our rapid fires, first one, a song or album that changed your life. Uh, Elvis's Prince from Another Planet live album at Madison Square Garden in 1972, the afternoon show, not the morning show. Oh, wow. That is yeah. so specific. I love when people mention live albums for those. That changed my life for sure. It's so particular. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up, what's an album that is all killer, no filler? And you can't include that one. We already, we're going to assume that one is. <laughs> Muses Absolution. I love that album. Yeah. There you go. There we go. <laughs> yep. Like I it. love that. All right. And finally, we'll keep it, we'll keep it brief here. An artist more people should know. And again, we're gonna assume that yourself is already on that list. Hence, you know, this episode. We already <laughs> believe that one. So this is a chance for an artist to shout out another artist and kind of put them in a spotlight. Uh the Velveteers is an amazing artist that I toured Ooh. with recently they opened for me on my last headline tour and they're incredible more people should know about them awesome yeah cool i think we hit our target there actually yeah. very yeah. very easily <laughs> thank you very much for your time man of course yeah, yeah thank you thank you guys so much i really appreciate it, it was great uh, chat and i look forward to seeing you at the show yeah absolutely yeah, i wish i could be there but i'm gonna be on vacation so hopefully he'll oh, be representing for us <laughs> You'll see him. He'll, he'll be the biggest guy there. The yes. tallest man in the audience. <laughs> it's <truth>. a guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, fellas. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. You too. That was our conversation with Des Rocks. And, you know, I have to say, like, after talking with him, I liked him a lot more. Uh, not only did I have a lot more respect for him because of his creative process and, and just how he comes up with stuff, but he, like, like you kind of mentioned before in the intro, you know, he's very intelligent. He's very well-spoken. He's super creative. I, I just, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this interview and, and I, have, I have a lot more respect for him uh after speaking with him. And I truly appreciate that. Yeah. And he's the kind of guy that knows who he is and he loves for his fans to be able to know who they are. So it's kind of a hand in hand type of thing. That's really awesome. Yeah. And I agree. And I, one thing I, I didn't quite realize, and, and you know, I don't know his age or anything like that, but he just looked like a young guy. And so to know who you are at such a young age, that's just awesome. Cause I, I, I think what well, we, we took us like 30 years, 20, 25 years <laughs> to 20, 30, I don't know, something like that to really yeah. know who the hell I was. Sometimes I'm still not quite sure to be honest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a long process sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very entertaining conversation. I almost was disappointed when he's like, oh, I, I got to go soon. I'm like, oh, man, yeah. you're having such a great time. <laughs> right, right. If we had more time, we would have gone deeper into the rapid fires. We would have. And that was that was the one thing that I was kind of hoping to uh, to ask him what his favorite. I, I We usually when we ask the 
favorite tour, we, we keep it to bands that are live. But for him specifically, I almost wanted to ask him who he would want to tour with that has passed. Yeah, you know it would be Freddie Mercury version of Queen. Yeah, it'd, it'd be, be number it'd be, one almost. It'd be Queen with Freddie, and it'd be Elvis, and it'd be <laughs> yeah. That would have been a great question. If we ever speak to him again, we'll go deeper in those. Yeah, or Imagine Dragons. Imagine <laughs> yeah, Dragons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that they're past, but uh, I got to give Des credit. I think he was the first person we've interviewed that truly treated the rapid fires like rapid fires. Yes. Where he, d- yes. he did not elaborate on those answers. He was just like, here's the question. Here's the answer. Let's go on. And yeah. so we were like, like, wow, that's very specific. Do you want to like you know, kind of like trying to hope he elaborates he's like, nope, next question. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he knew he only had a couple minutes and he needed to get out of there. So he was going to he was going to keep it tight. And we <laughs> I got a kick out of that. Yeah, me too. Hopefully there will be a chance in the future to to dig deeper into some of those because we really enjoy those questions. One of my favorite things that he kept harping on during the interview was uh, Imagine Dragons 2.0, yes. which at, at one point at one point I almost said, you mean the 2.0 version of that would be real lizards? Oh, <laughs> wow. That's the inverted version of that, I think. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You're on a roll, though. I think you've got a bad joke in like the last like four episodes or something now. But, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> That was that was part of the reason why I didn't bring it up because I was like, if I say this and it bombs, we're just have to cut <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> the whole interview is scrapped. Yeah, just like, like just I like log off with now. That one album where he recorded, like we'll just have to throw it all away. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but I really did appreciate that because you know, Imagine Dragons. The reason he mentions them is because they are kind of one of the pinnacles right now of you know pop radio, I guess you call it, or like yeah. radio yep. rock or whatever. And ever since they've come out, there have been a million bands that came out that sounded like them. But as he noted, you know, who does Imagine Dragons best is Imagine Dragons. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate people who are like, I'm not just here to make a buck watering down the music scene with something that somebody else is doing. He's like, I want to do something that actually is honest to who I am and hope that that authenticity sticks with people. And obviously, by virtue of how passionate his fans are, it is resonating with people. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. Maybe not in in selling out 20,000 seat arenas kind of way or something yet per se. Yet. Yet maybe, but right. definitely definitely in a way that I'm sure is rewarding and rich. Yeah. Definitely interested to um to hear the remaining singles that he has uh that are to be released relatively soon. You mentioned singles there was something I noticed in listening back to the interview was that at almost possibly no time does he actually use terms like singles, maybe like once or album. He consistently used phrases like a body of work right. and things like that when he was talking about that. And I, I didn't catch it in the actual interview, but listening back, even that the way he was interpreting those things, because he mentioned like he's going to be releasing these, he's called them like cathartic kind of songs but in the background, he's working on this bigger body, like this cohesive. As a palate, palate cleanser. Yeah, the palate cleanser. And, and so I really thought that was interesting, the way that he, he, even his terminology that he used to describe putting his music together was a little different than most people. I truly enjoyed hearing about his creative process, too, and how he developed songs. It, it, I think we kind of talked about this off air, that it reminded me a lot of Joey Varela from Varsity. 
mm-hmm. um, and how he kind of came about with his music. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just awesome. That, that is like by and far my favorite things about interviews is, is hearing each different band's different creative process because everybody is completely different. And and that's what like I don't think I realized that growing up as a kid, like, you know, because I was in a couple of bands and like you just you do your own thing. But like, I don't know, you're just like, well, how does that band do it? How does that band? You don't know. Yeah. And then now, now that I like hear it, it's just awesome to hear all these different ways that people are creative and how it comes, how it all comes together. And there are people that they really do sit like nine to three or whatever, like you mentioned, like, yeah, well, yeah, that's like, there are people that that's how they work is that this is a craft that we are honing. And so, and, and a lot of authors, even outside of music, a lot of people who, you know, novelists and stuff like that, like they have set hours and their goal is I'm going to write X number of pages. And then there are people like Des or like Casey was too polite to correct me during the interview, but it was not actually oxymorons that had the ideas in the shower. It was, it was Joey. Yeah. But people like that, who just like, you know, I, this thing just came to me and I just got to go write it down real quick or make a voice memo and that kind of thing. Des is a person who would like I would love to sit and watch the process, but I think you'd have to literally like follow him around for a couple of weeks to actually see it happen. I don't think you're just going to be able to like, OK, I'm going to watch you be creative now. And he'll be like, man, I'm just having dinner like. <laughs> well, and he seems too that that almost would distract him from his idea because he seems to like everything is almost lined out in his head, like how he wants it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that like anything, any kind of outside distractions might take away from that that idea. But no, he, he's very focused and has has a plan. There's no doubt about it. That is for sure. We definitely appreciate his time and definitely hope to chat with him again when the opportunity arises because he is a he is a guy that we could definitely chat with for probably hours and just have new perspectives on a bunch of different things. Yeah, I agree. If you want to find Des and his music and his merch and his tours and whatnot, we highly recommend even more than normal checking out his website, desrocks.com. That's D-E-S-R-O-C-S. It is not like itchrocks.com with the K. Yes. <laughs> right. D-E-S-R-O-C-S. And his website is a gem. This was one thing that we meant to at least touch on in the interview, but we we skipped over it because the, the flow of the conversation didn't quite sneak in there. But his website is amazing. When he snuck in with a time frame at the end, too. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. His website, for context, it looks it definitely looks like a, a 90s like Angel Fire website or something. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's got little like uh, old like Windows 95 looking pop-ups on it. I think that this music player on here is Winamp. He's got what definitely appears to be like some MS Paint or something looking created icons throughout it. <laughs> Dan mentioned earlier there's a the scroll a that ticker. goes across the top. The ticker. Yeah. It's just, it's fantastic. It is this total throwback that looks like any random person, any random teenager <laughs> making a website in the nineties. And so we got a huge kick out of it. Yeah. He, he got his, uh, what is that? Q basic. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Something yes. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find everything you need there. There's even a forum. Although I, sh- I should note that, that most of the forum is spam for insurance policies and ED treatment. So, you know, if you need either of those, desrocks.com for all your your needs. Slash forum. Slash forum. 
that's so <laughs> shitty that like those things invade forums like that. Like, <laughs> it is. Those are supposed to be fun, and all you're doing is just what trying to share dick pics. Like, come on. <laughs> He's got some dope merch though, so I, ch- I recommend checking that out. We still obviously endorse the album, uh, "Real Good Person in a Real Bad Place," and the new single manic memories. Uh, and you'll have to check it out to see when his next shows are, because by the time this episode airs, his current tour will be done, but I'm sure that he has just about finalized his next one by that point. <laughs> After 24 hours. Yeah. 24 hours and then back on the road, <laughs> or back up to something. Well, thank you very much for listening to the itch podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Let us know what you think uh, on all the socials or on itchrocks.com, of course. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, Des Rocks On. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the itch. Check out the show notes for links about the episode, as well as our new music playlist and where you can hear us every Sunday night. And you can interact with us at itchrocks.com or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Gmail, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Thank you.